Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Hey guys, it's me. It's winter. It's Thanksgiving and we're all here. Thanksgiving and we're all here, but we're not really here. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. So, um, so again, I feel I'm the only one who says Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, like you put the emphasis on the, on the, on the thanks. thanks. Yeah. Well, you also say Annette's name wrong every time. Yeah, you kind of it's a Pittsburgh thing, Annette and Thanksgiving. I kind of like it though. It sort of reminds me of my homeland when you say my name in that weird way. Annette's coming over for Thanksgiving. Annette, you really emphasize the Ann part. So, um, so um, yeah, here we are again. Um, we have Bill Sutton with us. Hey, Bill. Hey, and Adam Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And we have Brendan O'Reilly. Hi, Brendan. Hi, I'm Brendan. I'm the features editor. And we have Catherine Georgie Manu. Hey, Georgie. Hey, I'm Georgie, and I am the co-publisher of the Express News Group, and very thankful for the people in this room. Aww. And Joe Shaw. Hey, Joe. Hey, it's Joe Shaw, the executive editor. Joe looks really cozy and comfy, and I'm I'm in that Hankel, and I am the arts and living editor. So Joe, you're like all you're like all like nestled all snug in your bed with visions of sugar plums dancing around your head. Yeah, I find if I try and do this in at my desk, it's it's far it, like it's the proper setting for the express sessions. For this, I feel like we're just chatting. Right. We're we'll just if you guys came over, I'd be doing I'd be laying down like this talking to you. I'm I'm not. Uh, well, especially if it was Thanksgiving and you just like devoured like four pounds of turkey and stuffing and cranberries. Absolutely, the tryptophan. If you're doing the alpha male gets the couch after dinner look right now. Going horizontal yeah. and letting the tryptophan take tryptophan take over definitely. Put the Lions game on the TV or whatever it is. Hey, Steelers this year. Steelers, go Steelers! Yeah, that's great. So we thought it would be kind of fun and and to get away from all of the the horrendous news of 2020 because goodness knows we've had a lot of that going on and just kind of talk about Thanksgiving and maybe we could reflect on what we're um, what we did this year, doing this year, what we're planning, how it's different maybe some of our thanks, favorite Thanksgiving memories. So anybody want to jump in? <laughs> Help me out here. <laughs> well, I can tell you that we started uh, a couple of years ago, and actually it, it was pretty much from the time we first moved here from Pennsylvania. We don't make the trip back all the way to Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving. It's just too much, too much running around. So we've become sort of the go-to place for the orphans from the newspaper when people were – moved here and were too far away from family to go home for Thanksgiving, that kind of thing. We tended to take people in and that, you know, from that came, you know, we still have friends who come over uh, most Thanksgiving. Uh, this year will be a little different. I think we're probably not going to be doing that this year. Unfortunately, we did have, we had our, our Thanksgiving gathering a couple of weeks early, actually. We had it the other day outside on the deck uh, around the fire where it was a little safer since they're coming out from Brooklyn these days. But that's Joe Napolitano, who used to be a uh, reporter for us and is now an author and uh, is doing some amazing work on education and uh, immigration. So it's fun to keep in touch with folks. But that's, I've always thought of it that way. But 
But honestly, Thanksgiving to me, what really envy Georgie, you guys, because you have, you're used to getting together with your family on Thanksgiving in a big way, right? And you have a big meal and everybody comes together. And I think that's much more traditional. That's less been, been my experience. And I really, I envy that because it seems like a really lovely thing. Yeah. Thanksgiving for our family and actually for my husband's family too. And it just happened to work out that way was always really the big holiday of the whole year. I mean, it eclipsed Christmas for my family, you know, and that was really led by my grandmother who lived in Amagansett and my aunts and uncles. My mom has six siblings. So Thanksgiving was, you know, that was the day we all got together. And as the family grew and everybody had kids, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, we developed a lot of traditions, a lot of recipes that, you know, we've carried over. And then I met Gavin and we fell in love and got married and found out that Thanksgiving was just as meaningful to his family. I don't know if it's because like we grew up in like lower middle class families where Christmas could be like a little bit of an economic stress, but there was like no pressure with Thanksgiving. We all knew how to cook, you know, and we're both pretty good cooks. Um, and so are our family members. But it just was, that was the big holiday. And we've maintained that. I mean, because, you know, obviously we got married and we couldn't bring both of our families together because we would have like needed to rent a catering hall. <laughs> we started rotating Thanksgivings, you know, one year with my family and then, you know, one year with his family. And so it's hard this year because this year it's, we're not going to be with either family. It's going to be us and our children. Uh, my mother-in-law lives with us, so she is in our immediate family, and so she'll be joining us for Thanksgiving as well. So it's going to be very different, but we're still cooking pretty much as much food as we would for, you know, 20 people. You know, we got a 20-pound turkey from Nursey Farms. I mean, I'm just going to have to come up with lots of turkey leftover recipes, um, but I'm going to make some food for my parents um, who live nearby that I can bring over to them as well. But, you know, I'm making my grandmother's carrots and, you know, we're following a lot of the traditions we've always followed, but, you know, it's just going to be small because we want to do the right thing this year. Actually, I was at your house for Thanksgiving a few years ago. It didn't seem that long ago, but lots changed. Yeah. So that was actually the year my grandmother had passed. And um, like I said, she had kind of been this matriarch of our family that really, you know, brought us all together. And we all had just such a hard time with it. My mom was like, basically, Thanksgiving's canceled this year. We just like couldn't imagine gathering without her. And so we did a Thanksgiving at our house in Sag Harbor with Annette and Adam and Sophie and Michael Heller. And was that it? I think that's it. Yeah. And it was actually a really lovely Thanksgiving. Like we took a walk and played football. Yeah, we and... played football like the Kennedys. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really, that was a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mine's going to be a little weird this year because um, this is um, the first, the first year I will not be with my daughter for Thanksgiving because she's down in Charleston at school at college. And, um, and we just didn't want to, she, she theoretically could have come home like this week because her college is going totally online as of this week. Um, but she didn't want to be here for six weeks between Thanksgiving and 
New Year's because now she's got a whole life down there and she'd rather be down there with her friends than up here with us. So I didn't want to fly her back and forth and she just doesn't want to be here that long. So she's not going to probably fly home until mid-December, but it is weird. So she's going to be going to a, a friend's house down in South Carolina for Thanksgiving. So um, it'll probably just be me and my husband, Adam, and um, we might have a couple of, of friends in our pod, maybe one of our friends in our pod come over, but that'll be about it, about three of us. So I don't know. It's going to be very strange, but luckily I, I'm married to a very good cook and he loves doing it. And it should be interesting. We, we've made a, we've made a habit of going to really weird places for Thanksgiving. Cause we, I was never, I've never lived that close to my family. So we've done things where we've gotten a cottage in the woods in November, mm. which nobody does. And like very strange stories about weird caretakers. It's very, very, it could have been, it could have turned into like a horror novel if it had gone wrong. But I remember one time we were in the woods Thanksgiving in this cottage out in Martha's Vineyard. And I just looked at the window and the guy who was renting the place out was like staring back in the window at us. (laughs) And it was really weird. He he had his mother's car. His mother was allegedly in Florida, but I think she might've been in the trunk of that car, but I can't say for sure. So I am going to um, hop in the car with my two dogs and I am driving to Rochester to spend Thanksgiving with my brother. We're going to be very safe. It's going to be a very small affair, but I can't imagine spending Thanksgiving without my brother. We were, we had been, he and I had been estranged for a number of years and hadn't seen each other. And my old partner, Jeanette, had helped us to reunite at one point. And so we started, we started talking and all that. And then the first time that we had actually come back together to meet each other, he came to Long Island with my father for, uh, for Thanksgiving when I was in living in West Hampton beach. And that had been the first time that, um, that I had seen him in, in a number of years and it was a really good reunion. Um, and so that was a tradition for a number of years. He and my father would, would, you know, come, come to Long Island for Thanksgiving. And then a few years ago when, when he met his, um, his now partner, we'd started going up there. So that's the new tradition. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was, I was hesitant to go my father was going to go and he canceled. He's in Myrtle beach and, um, didn't feel like it was safe to be, you know, to fly up and all that. And, and we certainly understand that and, and all that. But I, I think, you know, we're staying, I'm staying in the state and it's going to be a small thing. So I think it's going to be really safe and we'll be careful and, and all that. And it'll be, um, you know, it'll be them and me and my two dogs. And I think they have five dogs. So it's like seven (laughs) dogs in the house and it's more a party for the dogs than it is for us. I mean, you know, as they sit around the table looking for turkey scraps and I'm pretty excited. So how long is that drive up to Rochester? That's a long way, isn't it? it? It can be, um, the averages are about eight hours depending on traffic. Believe it or not, it depends on the traffic getting out of the city or getting past the city. If you hit a lot of traffic, it adds some time or whatever, but it's not bad. And it's all, I take the throughway, so it's, it's easy driving. It's crazy. You can drive eight hours and still be in New York. Yeah. And, and the dogs, I was worried, you know, last year about, you know, the dogs in the car, but they were fine. And, you know, funny story. So I drove up and then we drove back and, you know, you stop every couple hours to let the dogs out and, you know, and, and all that. Um, and I was nervous about it, but we got home um, and 
I unpacked the car and the, I mean, I opened the doors when I got home and the, and the dogs rushed to go to the bathroom and the, you know, the whole thing. And they were super excited to be home and went and got a big drink of water. And I unpacked the car and I'm looking around for my one dog Shotzi. And I'm like, Shotzi, where's Shotzi? Where's Shotzi? And I look out in the garage and the, the door to the car is still open. And I go out there and she's sitting in the back seat. She's ready for the rest of the ride. She's like, let's go back. I want to play with those other dogs. So. Wow. That's funny. So Brendan, are you cooking this year? Yes, yes. Uh, so for the very first time, we're going to host Thanksgiving at our house, um, having over a number of years either been to one or two Thanksgivings, right? Like there might have been certain years where we went to one house for dinner and another house for dessert so we could see both my family and my wife's family. So this year, we're going to bring both sides of the family together, but you know, we're not going to see as many people. We had long been planning on doing something small and at our house, and that's still the plan. So we knew it was going to be eight or nine people. So when the state mandate came down and said no more than 10 people at a Thanksgiving gathering indoors or out, it didn't affect us. Uh, a few people are getting tested for COVID before they come out here just to be extra careful. But we all have been planning on this. So we're all isolating in the lead up to it. So we don't feel like we're at risk when we're in the house together and we're preparing the turkey. We're preparing some desserts and some sides. And we've asked a couple family members to bring their specialties or perhaps to pick up something like turnips that we know that we'll never make as good at home as uh, some of the North Fork restaurants might make them. Nice. Are you using any of your vegetables from your garden in any of your dishes? So at this rate, I don't have a lot left for my garden, though I do have a rather large butternut squash. And that is probably going to end up in some pumpkin pies, or uh, we might be making individual pumpkin custards and serving them each in its own ramekin. So that way, instead of having a pie that multiple people are touching and multiple people are slicing it and sharing utensils, everybody will get their own individual serving. That's a nice idea. That's, smart. That's a really good idea. <laughs> All right. So I have, it's lightning round time and I have a series of questions for you. Okay. First of all, I'll, I'll, this isn't a question. This is an observation. Brendan, you strike me as a brining kind of guy. Do you brine your turkey? I have brined a ham. Really? You brine a ham? But I've never cooked a turkey before, so I couldn't tell you that we're going to brine our turkey. Yeah, see, you struck me as a brining the turkey kind of person. Well, I've never hosted Thanksgiving before if you were listening to that whole story. <laughs> I so. know, but you've never, made, you've never made a turkey? No, I make a lot of chicken, but uh, not turkey. Gavin, does Gavin... Uh, Brian turkeys? Well, we both cook, thank you very much. But um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so we have so we have brined turkeys traditionally. Um, but there have been years where we haven't, but there is one thing we've always done. And again, one of these weird things that both of our mothers did with us growing up with our Thanksgiving turkeys and it just worked out that way. Um, you get a brown paper bag. It can't have any ink on it for obvious reasons. And you cook your turkey in the brown paper bag. And what it does is it self-bastes. So it keeps it very moist. Do you have to wet the bag first or no. put oil on it or something? Because it does seem like it might just 
burst into flames. Yeah, I would burn the house down if you if I. I mean, like obviously, you would want to make sure that the top of the paper bag isn't like hitting the top of the oven where it's gonna like catch fire. But no, I mean, it's we've never had a fire at any of our Thanksgivings, and the paper bag has been pretty much used in every single one since I was a kid. Being a child of the '70s, I also remember the the cooking turkey in plastic bags. I do remember those. You remember those? I, I do remember those. Yes. They were like these oven plastic. <laughs> they were basting bags. They called them basting bags, I believe, is what they called them. Why somebody thought that was a good idea? It's like, why? Okay. Dark meat or light? Dark. White. White meat. Dark. See, and that's I. I can't break the tie. I've always been a white meat guy, but I've been sort of turned on in recent years to the pleasures of dark meat, which is which is uh, sort of a new experience for me. But I do enjoy it. But that's interesting. It's a it's a complete split here. Two and a half. Two and a half. I will say though, it's dark meat for Thanksgiving dinner, and one of the reasons maybe I gravitate that way is that the white meat is to be reserved for the leftover Thanksgiving sandwich. Uh. For okay. the sandwiches, yeah, absolutely. There's a method to the matter. Okay, cranberry sauce, whole berry or not? Or you mean the you mean the stuff in the can? Yeah, well, yeah. It's funny. It's like I yeah, I can go either way. I love cranberry sauce. I'm actually going to make it this year. I've become a big fan of cranberry sauce over the years. My daughter is so weird. She she likes the can. Like she wants the can. She'll just she'll eat the whole thing. Just plop it. Don't even cut it. Just <laughs> dump the can on her plate and just. Let her go at it. I discovered whole berry cranberry sauce a couple of years ago uh, by mistake because we bought it by mistake and loved it. I thought it was great. And the other thing is one of, one of the, so when we did the holiday book every year, there was a recipe in that holiday, but we used to have to make the food uh, for the photos for the magazine. And the one year we, we did the, the photos for the, for the meal. And there was a recipe in there where you used, cranberry sauce to make a sorbet that was actually really, mm. really good. And I'd like to make that again. I had a tradition for a number of years of going out to the walking dunes in that peak and picking my own cranberries Nice. and making the sauce out of that. Except for about two or three years in a row, I was coming back and like within a week, I was getting an incredibly horrible rash on the back of my legs that would often get infected. It was horrible. And then I realized it was the Lone Star tick larvae was oh. attacking me in the locking dune. So not worth uh, it. Get the can. Yeah. Are there cranberries out there? I would have thought those were beach plums. No, there's if you go into the low swale, like there's the big the big walking dune hill. On the far side of it, um, if you go all the way down, there's like a you'll see like a green patch lower. It's almost below sea level. And um there's a there's a little cranberry bog down there. How about that? Last weekend, the South Fork Natural History Museum, and I think they were partnered maybe with the East Hampton Trails Preservation Society, hosted a walk at the Walking Dunes that was specifically for cranberry picking. Oh. It was a big industry out here at one time, right? Cranberries. I don't know if they ever did it out here. I think of it more as New England. No, I think on, on Long Island. I, I read that. Did they? Yeah, there were a lot of cranberries. I mean, hundreds of years ago, there was a lot of cranberries on Long Island. You're not a big fan of cranberries, though? I do not care for cranberries at all. But again, another funny story growing up, my, my grandfather um, used to like to make the, the cranberry sauce. And he did it with, with fresh cranberries that you buy in a bag and orange juice and all that. And everybody hated it. But, <laughs> but he liked doing it so much and it kept him busy. 
and and the, these are the the Italian grandparents. So of course there was a stove in the basement and a full kitchen <laughs> in the basement, really. And he would go down into the basement and make his cranberry sauce, and he was so proud of it that nobody would admit to not liking it. So everybody would take a spoon of the cranberry sauce and tell him how great it was and how much they loved it, and you know were happy that you know he had spent a couple hours um, making it and staying out of the way. One of our reporters one year at Christmas time gave me a jar of sugared cranberries as a gift. And they were just, they were somehow, they were parboiled or something. It might've been Becky Cooper or one, I'm, I'm not sure who, but they were the best thing I had, I had ever tasted. And I, I've always wanted to make those again. I remember those, they were horrible. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Okay, next question. Stuffing. What type of stuffing is your pref- your preference? Stovetop. Do you like so? Because I actually like stovetop stuffing, but not not for Thanksgiving. I I'm kind of a purist. Like I don't like any a lot of weird stuff in my stuffing. How about sausage stuffing? Because we get no, not we get Cinderella's sausage stuffing. That's our tradition every year. Stuffing is my specialty. That's what I make every year. And I don't use sausage, but I use ground pork, Ooh. which doesn't have that spiciness, but it's very sweet. That would be very good. Yeah. And um, apples and applesauce oh, and a couple wow. other things that I'm not going to give away. Are you making stuffing or are you making gravy? Because stuffing is when you stuff the bird with it and gravy is when you cook it in a tray. No, stuffing or dressing. 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 Gravy. Or dressing. That's what I meant. Not gravy. Ah. You threw me there too. Yeah. I have traditionally, if if I'm cooking the turkey, then I will stuff the turkey. But if I'm um, like if I'm going to my brother's, I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to stuff the turkey. So I'll make the dressing, but then you need to have, you know, you need to have some kind of turkey juice to, to go on that dressing so that I prefer it stuffed because I think it, it just, you get all the, the drippings as the turkey's cooking. And I know it's, they say it's, it's less than safe, but um, I think it's just, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe 2020 is the year not to stuff the yeah. bird. Yeah, it's 2020. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not doing it. Do you put chestnuts in them? I have had chestnut stuffing. Not a, not a fan. I don't usually, but I, I like that because you want a little consistency, a little hard consistency because everything else gets really soft. Or maybe some pecans. Pecans would probably be good in it, right? Pecans get kind of, they turn color. They get kind of black. Do they? I'm like Brendan. Like I'm definitely not getting a box of stovetop. Like I'm cutting bread and making my own dressing. But I'm doing like a pretty basic one, like herbs and you know some turkey stock and some mm. celery and some onions and bread, and that's it. My mother-in-law though every year makes a very elaborate stuffing. And it has nuts and red peppers Ooh. and like figs and you know like <laughs> everything that's in her fridge makes it in there somehow. And 
my husband loves it and she loves it. So we'll have both this year. Yeah, I'm not big on the fig stuffing either. I don't know. What about oysters? Don't some people do oyster stuffing? I have heard that, yes. And I, I can't imagine that, honestly. A cornbread oyster stuffing is like a very southern kind of dressing that you would do for Thanksgiving. Okay, side dishes. Do you have especially so all right, so Bill, yours is the dressing, clearly. That that's your thing. And, and you know, and and the and the green bean salad that I've had every year since since I was two. I kind of missed that. <laughs> with the mushroom soup and the turkey onions on top. With, with the mushroom soup and the onion and the onions on top, yes. Dana also makes an amazing baked corn. Oh. Oh, I've had that. It's so good. It's evolved over the years from just creamed corn, and now it's a baked mm. corn kind of a casserole kind of a thing, and it is just amazing. It's my favorite part of the meal. My specialty, on the other hand, I make a mean sweet potato casserole. I really do. Mm. It's, my, it's my specialty. Marshmallows? Well, I have evolved over the years. <laughs> It began with marshmallows, but I have developed a little more of a uh, of a standard. I actually had a version of it at a restaurant and looked up their recipe, and it was similar to mine, but I made a couple of tweaks based on their recipe, and now it's just spectacular, and the marshmallows would just take away from it. It, it, it needs to just be by itself because it's so good. That means you finally left Pittsburgh behind if you're leaving off the marshmallows. Does it have a, some measure of some kind of alcoholic beverage in it? No, no. I, oh. I'm a purist. I, I wouldn't want that in my sweet potatoes. I like what I do with them. And uh, it's funny because Dana treats it as dessert. Even though I've cut way back on the amount of uh, sugar I put in it, I haven't cut back on the amount of butter I put in it, by the way. The sweet potatoes are really good for you, so that's okay. Yeah, and, and I think they're actually better with a little less uh, sugar in them. Yeah. One of the things I really look forward to. And then I guess uh, best um, dessert. Is it just pumpkin pie for everybody? or do I don't like pumpkin pie at all. Really? Absolutely not. I don't either. <laughs> well, that was my specialty. But... Oh, sorry, Brendan. Well, thank God you're not inviting me over this year. <laughs> I'll be serving it with you. I love pumpkin pie. I have to... That's another one of those things I never liked as a kid, but I love as an adult. Just love pumpkin pie. I mean, pie. we always have pumpkin pie because, like, I feel like you have to have pumpkin pie at the table. Um, no, you don't. <laughs> but I actually um, have been doing, like, an apple crisp with mm, all the apples. There you go. Um, and that's, like, kind of a, a really yummy, fun dessert that makes the whole house smell really nice, Yes. Too. I think I made an apple pie one year and it was great. I think it was a silver palette recipe. And the thing that was great about it is it had in the crust, it had cheddar cheese in it, um, which worked mm. really well, like cheddar cheese and apple um, in this pie. That was pretty freaking awesome. My brother makes an awesome pecan pie. Mm. And if I can talk him into it, it's a chocolate pecan pie where you take chocolate the, the the chocolate chips, the semi-sweet chocolate chips, and you drop those yeah. in, the, in the molasses or whatever it is and then put the pecans on top. Dana's specialty is my favorite dessert of all time, which is a marbled chocolate pumpkin cheesecake, mm. which is just the best thing. That I, I might try. Yeah, just the best, so. So, Brendan, your specialty is pumpkin pie. Yeah, nobody asks me to bring 
a side dish to Thanksgiving that hasn't come up in my life yet. So uh, my way to contribute is I'll volunteer to bring a dessert and I'll make pumpkin pie, uh, usually out of something that I grew. You know, I mentioned this year that I'm using a butternut squash because it's what I have, but there's really no difference between a butternut squash and the pumpkin pie filling that comes out of a can. It's the exact same species. It's just basically hmm. comes down to the shape of it. Yeah, right? I didn't know that. Wow. All right. Did you get through all your questions? That's That was pretty much. And then, you know, the other question, and I'm just really curious about this. What time <laughs> do you serve Thanksgiving dinner? Four o'clock. 2 p.m.? Yeah, I was going to say about four, I think is about right. Okay, so again, you know, I'm going to pull the Italian card. We started it <laughs> well, growing up. We started at one, and you and you started with pasta. It was always pasta first, and and you'd fill up on the pasta, and then the turkey would come out, and you know, and and all that. So we um we've kind of kept that tradition. It, it's a little like maybe three, two or three, rather than one, and no pasta anymore. It's a little earlier. That's it. We usually go a little earlier in the afternoon, and then. And then Georgie, the the eight o'clock in the evening turkey sandwich is <laughs> is a great tradition. Yeah, Love it. and we always Dana and I celebrate second and third Thanksgivings, which is when we just heat in a microwave the next day and the day after. Pretty much all of the leftovers, since there's always lots of leftovers, we just have second and third Thanksgivings. And I'm of the mind that the food gets better and better for a day or two. I traditionally, and my mother always did this too, I, I'll make a turkey soup mm -hmm. and I make a turkey, like a Thanksgiving shepherd's pie, um, like the leftover mashed potatoes and the roasted root vegetables and the turkey. And, and then that's like what we're eating for the rest of the week. My mom used to make something she would call Hungarian potato pancakes. And what she would do is mix the leftover mashed potatoes with flour, roll it very thin, like pancake thin, put it on a griddle and, and uh, make it golden brown, and then smear it with butter and roll it up into uh, a straw shape, basically. And I remember what that tasted like and probably is the reason for my body type. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the flower, the flower held it together. Well, yeah. It, it made it like a, it's very difficult to describe, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was just delicious. But, but is it an ethnic specialty or just something? Embedded? I think it was, I think it was sort of an ethnic specialty from the land of Holupki and Holushki and, you know what's going to be really weird this year is I don't, I guess they're not having a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? Well, they are. Um, I mean, they've been filming different Broadway shows, have been like, you know, doing these pre-filmed performances. So they're doing some sort of virtual. It's on TV. Yeah, situation, but they're not. Well, nobody's marching. There's no marching down Broadway. I mean, they're, they really don't want people like gathering yeah. to. Uh, watch parade, you know if they just showed last year's thanksgiving day parade again nobody would notice who would know it's true actually it's a really good thing brendan that's what they should have had look at all those irresponsible people without masks you just have like a note at the bottom of the screen like <laughs> pre-recorded pre-covid <laughs> you know i had a friend who did not know what a parade was did they grow up in america and <laughs> yes but he t described to me had that, well, 
So we went together to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in high school and we get there and he was so confused. And he's like, well, I thought we were going to walk in the parade. I'm like, well, it's a parade. You watch it. He's like, well, I thought like, hey, we're going to walk in this. We're Irish. I'm like, no, that's a march. <laughs> like, have, have you never seen like the Thanksgiving Day Parade on television? He's like, no. Wow. Can I say it out loud? I don't really care for the Macy's Parade. I, I went in person one time and it was fine. But I've never, I, this is probably not something for a newspaper person to admit. I really hate parades. I've hated them my whole life. Even when I was a kid, I hated parades. I went to parades just to make my family happy. I was, I've never been a fan of parades. There's something wrong with me. I know. It's, it's... Who hurt you when you were a child? <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened to you at your first parade <laughs> what traumatic event triggered this <laughs> i don't know what it is just one of those things i when you can go to the macy's parade you know what's really cool is going up by the museum of natural history because that's where they blow the balloons up but it's really fun to stand right at the corner there because the guy with the bullhorn is getting all of the marchers into line so he's like you know that could be fun this town high school get into the line of march you're going and then they all like yeah they jump in and then they go but and all the tv can't you know that's where all the tv trucks are it's like kind of like kind of like the staging area it's actually really kind of cool and interesting um really fun all right all right so it looks like joe's ready for bad you know it doesn't it's just the way my eyes are it's because my eye, my head's tipped back that's yeah. all i'm just no i've got things to do i have to go cook dinner now I have to go get dog food. I've talked an awful lot about my dogs today. That's yeah, you that's did. That's idea. okay. That's your family. Yeah, I like your fluffy family. Got me through the lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys are like my social group now. So these Zoom meetings are just amazing human contact for me. I I treasure every one of them. Believe me. And for Zoom, we are thankful. Yes, that is the, the <laughs> yeah, biggest. I mean, seriously, I had never heard of Zoom last Thanksgiving. I think, I, I don't even think uh, I would have known how to use it then. Yeah. I wish I had had stock in Zoom before yeah. last yeah. Seriously. And like plexiglass. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody enjoy your Thanksgiving and be careful out there. Wear your masks. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you after the holiday. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com.
Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.